Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. One Thessalonians, uh, and this is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith your labour prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with all the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell of how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. It's the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Um, If I haven't met you before, my name's Luke. I'm the cross-campus young adults pastor for Hills Baptist. So I spend a bit of time in the the different campuses. And um, if you come on a Sunday night, you're guaranteed to see me here. Um, But it's my privilege to share with you this morning about uh, the new community of Jesus, which is the church. Um, And I thought... um, you know, there's lots of places in the Bible we could turn if we want to have a picture of what the church is. But I thought this is one of Paul's kind of letters that he sends to a church that's doing well, to encourage them to keep doing well. And I thought, let's have a look at that. Let's have a look at some of the hallmarks of that kind of community and think about what that might do or look like in our community. Have you ever wondered what the point of church is? I have, and, and I'm a pastor. Why do we gather? Why do we sing? Why do we run programs and volunteer hours and, and spend all this time and energy and effort on this thing that we do every week, this gathering? I remember when I was a child and a teenager, um, and there's a few people in the room that know my parents, going to church was an absolute non-negotiable in our household. So uh, it didn't matter how tired you were, even if, you know, mum said, unless something's broken or you're bleeding, we're going to church. And I remember asking, you know, dad, why do we have to go? Like, what's the point? 
And sometimes he, because he was, you know, there was four of us and he was like, just get in the car. And he's like, you know, that's just what we do. You know, this is our family. We're Austins. We go to church. This is our family thing. Or sometimes he would say, oh, you, you'll get it when you're older. Um, and to be honest, like, I, I think I'm starting to as I get older. I think it is actually making a bit more sense. But I want to suggest that this new community of Christ, the church that Jesus died for and rose again for, it's more than just a meeting together on a Sunday. It's more than just a community, although often we get a lot of benefit from the community. It's more than a community. It's more than a a social club. It's more than program. The church has things. It has distinctions that set it apart from any other kind of social and community group because you can feel a great sense of community and camaraderie and even family in a sporting club. You can feel those things in a in a Lions Club or attending Park Run or anything like that. But what the church has that's different is these three things that Paul kind of highlights in the Thessalonian church. And they are work that's produced by faith, labor prompted by love, and endurance inspired by hope. So faith, hope, and love. And these things are what sets the church apart from any other community group. It's what makes the church vibrant and alive, colourful, quirky, beautiful. It's what makes the church the church. And where do these things come from? Faith, hope and love? Well, that's what we're sort of going to look at today. We're kind of going to explore where those things come from, what they do and why and how I think they come about into a community. So let's pray. Father God, Thank you for your love. Thank you that you died and rose again, that we can have relationship with you and also relationship with one another. We can love one another well because you've loved us. Lord, as we think about and ponder and prayerfully discern what it is that you're saying to us as a community, Lord, I pray that we would hear your words, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts, you would lift our eyes and increase our faith and our hope and our love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the new community that Jesus established, the church, is for all who put their faith in Christ. And this faith, it does something. It produces good works. And where does this faith come from? Well, faith is birthed in us by the Holy Spirit. So if we go back to Acts chapter 2, this is the beginning of the church when the Holy Spirit descends at Pentecost. We see the Holy Spirit is poured out on all people. In Acts 2, 17 and 18, Peter, is he's stood up, he's preaching and he's declaring the words of the prophet Joel. And he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And verse 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We see here this incredible picture that all people are invited into the community of faith. Male and female, young and old, those of every nation, tribe, and tongue. 
And the sign of that is that the Holy Spirit would be in every believer. And what that means and what that would have shifted so dramatically for the thinking of the people of this day is that all people now have equal value. All are seen. All have been given spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit for the, to, for the participation in ministry and community. Paul says of the Thessalonians in verse 4 and 5 here, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. So we see that the Thessalonian church is commended because they too are filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit in us that gives us the faith to do the work of Christ in the world. If we try to do good things on our own, we inevitably get tired. We inevitably get bitter and jaded and exhausted and frustrated and annoyed and all those things. But when our work is inspired by faith, when it's produced by the faith that comes from the Holy Spirit at work within us, then as the prophet Isaiah says, we can run and not grow weary. And I think it's important for us to continually cultivate, both in community but also as individuals, an ongoing personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, acknowledging that He is the one who dwells in us and gives us what we need for today. So I think it's the Holy Spirit that gives the Thessalonian church the power to work in faith in the world. And the second thing that they're commended for is their labors of love. Now, what were these labors? Well, in 2 Corinthians, Paul um, mentions the churches of Macedonia, of which uh, the Thessalonian church is one, and they're commended for their generosity in charity towards persecuted believers. So they're sort of, they're this church that's celebrated because of the way they've been incredibly generous to those who are persecuted. And they themselves were being persecuted. They themselves were suffering. And so love was them seeing beyond their own circumstances and their own need and meeting the needs of others. And I think the labor of love for the church for us today is the same. It's to love those in need. It's very easy to love those who love us. It's very easy to love our friends. It's mostly easy to love our family. <laughs> but, it's, but it's easy to love those who we're similar to and who reciprocate um, that love. But the kind of love that the New Testament church is exemplified for again and again is loving the orphan and the widow, loving those that actually couldn't offer anything in return, to love those for who there's no benefit to love those who might not even say thank you. That's the kind of love that the church is called to. And this week I've um, been doing a, a course to become a recognised Baptist pastor. And um, I learned a bit of Baptist history. And um, some of it was, you know, some of it was probably as you'd expect. But some of it was also very interesting and exciting. And, um, and I want to share just one story um, with you. 
So the Baptist church in the, the first Baptist church opened its doors in South Australia in 1838. And there's this story from the 1840s uh, that's, that's set in this first Baptist church in Adelaide. And it's the story of a girl named Eliza. Um, and Eliza came to faith and came to the community as a 16-year-old. She was a, a servant. She was uneducated, sort of lower class, um, probably didn't have a choice in being a servant. So she was, she was there, but, but she became part of the church community. When she was 19, she was married um, against her will to a much older man, as tended to happen in the, the early colonies. The man she married was an alcoholic, and he was awful to her. He treated her really badly. And as a 19-year-old, she didn't know where to turn or who to talk to. And she spoke to people at church. And um, at first, some didn't really believe her or sort of said, well, you, that's, we're not going to get involved in that. But then some others actually said, no, that's not, that's not okay. And they took her to meet with the, the elders of the church and... So she came to this, this meeting with the elders and her husband had followed her. And they brought her in and they shut the door and he was outside and he was banging on the door. He was saying, give me my wife. She's mine. Send her out. And the elders came to the door. They opened it and they stood in front of them. They stood in between this man and, and Eliza. And they said, well, she may be your wife but she's our sister. She's our daughter in the faith. She's part of our family and she's staying with us. And the church community from that moment banded together to protect, support, empower, educate and look after this young woman. They helped her to leave that awful marriage that she'd been forced into and empowered her and completely changed the course of her life. And I think this is the kind of love that the church is called to. A radical love that maybe does sometimes put us in positions that are a bit awkward, that are hard and challenging. But for that young woman, wow, it would completely change the direction of where she was headed. How do we love? We love because Christ first loved us. And if you're not feeling very loving, if you're finding it hard to love people, even though you might, you, know, you might give to charities and you might give to the poor because you feel like, yes, that's my Christian obligation, but do you love those people? And I would suggest if you don't necessarily feel all that loving towards them, then you need to return to the source of love. You need to return to Christ and ask him to show you Remind me, Jesus, how much I need you and how much you love me so that that love can start pouring out of me to others. And the third thing that the Thessalonian church is commended for is their endurance inspired by hope. And I think it's, it's kind of remarkable considering the setting. And uh, Paul writes that, uh, the, the, the Thessalonian church welcomed the message of, of Christ in the midst of severe suffering. So they were suffering severely. They were persecuted and yet their hope endured. And I think that the church has 
for all of its existence, been a bastion of hope for the hopeless. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of heartache and persecution, famine and war, the place of enduring hope is the church. But it's not a human hope. Because I hope, for example, that my football team, which is North Melbourne, will perform better. And if you know anything about football, you know that they don't. (laughs) I hope that... um, you know, every time I drive, that the other drivers on the road don't drive into me. And I sort of, you know, hope they don't. I hope that people will like me, you know, if I'm getting a little bit more personal. But that's not the kind of hope we're talking about here either. Because that's all hope in things that are seen. And the hope that the Christian has is a hope in things that are unseen. It's a living hope. It's a hope in an eternal God. And how do we get this hope? From the God of hope, Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think the church endures because our hope is found in Jesus, because we trust in him. And I've always thought that I trust God really well. But I've recently had some things happen in my life that have caused me to maybe reevaluate how good I am at, at trusting. And I think sometimes, you know, things happen in our life and we're asked the question, what do we depend on? Who do we depend on? Because if we're honest, our lives, our lives here are fairly privileged and reasonably safe and especially when we compared to the rest of the world, things are pretty good here. Things are very good here. And it's fairly easy to get through life relying on yourself. If you've been educated, if you've had the privilege of going to uni and you can earn enough money to buy a home and do all those things, you might be tempted to depend on what you can do rather than what Christ might do. But things happen. And I won't go into it much, but lately I've been struggling a lot mentally, which hasn't really happened in my life before. And I'm learning to cling to Christ in the middle of that. And I pray that you're learning to cling to Christ more and hope in him more as well. And I think something that causes hope to endure in the church is when we hope together. Because it's hard when you're isolated and when you're on your own or even when it's just you and and your family and you're struggling and you don't turn to others. It's hard to have hope. But one of the beautiful things about the community of faith is that when we band together and when we share our struggles that we actually can grow in hope together and we can inspire hope in others because we can point each other to Christ and remind each other about how good God is, even in the midst of hard things. So I encourage you, if you are struggling, don't struggle alone. Know that there is a community of faith that can have faith and hope for you, even when you don't feel it. And how do we do this? So how does a church have faith and hope and love, not just for themselves, but a faith and a hope and a love that spills out into the community, that changes the world around them. 
Well, I think this is not an exhaustive list, but one of the things, and we see this in, in Thessalonians chapter 1 here, in verse eight, verses 8 to 10, it says, The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. How does the church work in favor, labor, sorry, work in faith, labor, in love, and endure in hope? I would suggest that it's actually by turning from idols to God. As we turn away from our Australian idols of comfort, convenience, influence, I think that we, as we turn from those things to Christ, we start to, we start to be filled with a faith that moves us beyond ourselves and takes us out of our comfort, a love that takes us beyond convenience that moves us towards people that maybe we wouldn't naturally choose to love and it gives us a hope that doesn't rely on material circumstances a hope that like the Thessalonian church waits for Jesus return that looks forward to the day when the king comes home that builds treasures in heaven, not here on earth. And I think as we turn away from idolatry, as we turn away from the things that we put as the most important thing in our lives towards God, we also turn towards others. I think turning away from idols turns us towards people like Eliza from that story, people like the homeless in Adelaide, people like the refugee community, people that are struggling, people that are lonely, people that are hurting. I think as we look beyond our own comfort and convenience, we start to see those people. Now, this is not a, a message that is designed to make you feel like, oh, I need to do more, because that's not the point. Anything we do, we can only do for God if we're doing it from God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, with our eyes fixed on Christ. Because as we fix our eyes on Christ, I believe he starts to fix our eyes on the people that need us and that need ultimately the hope that is found in him. So let us be individuals that form a community that is marked by work done in faith, by labours of love, and by enduring hope. Let's pray. Father God, you are good. Lord, I pray that faith and hope and love would grow in the hearts and the heart of this community. I pray for a faith that works, that moves us out beyond ourselves to precious people that need to know you. I pray for a hope 
that would arise for our trust to be firmly placed in Jesus, who is our living hope, the God of hope, who fills us with joy and peace. And I pray that you would give us a love that labours, that loves the poor and the marginalised and seeks to show them the love of Christ in word and in deed. Lord, give us the courage to come before you humbly so that you can show us our idols, to show us the things that are hindering us from loving you and loving others well. Lord, and we often don't know what they are until something goes wrong. Lord, I pray that you might show us before things get too wrong. Lord, let us be a community that has eyes fixed on you. Lord, let this church be like the Thessalonian church, enduring through hardship and generous to others. Continue to teach us, Lord, to be more like you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.